Hey Palmetto Shores and welcome back to our small group resources. Today we're going to be picking up in John chapter 2 verse 13 to 25 and our summary text is going to come from a couple passages. We're going to be in Ezra 5 or chapter 5 verse 1 as well as we'll be looking at the book of Haggai. And it's always interesting when we look at the big picture of scripture and we're able to see different pieces um, together um, as they overlap or they refer to and today we're going to see that uh, that in Ezra We've been following this narrative of Israel building this temple, and um, and in chapter in uh, John ch- chapter two, we're going to see Jesus arrive at that temple. And so let's just go ahead and read the passage, and then we'll dive in. Uh, chapter two, verse thirteen says, "The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there." And he, and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he t- told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What signs do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. So as we look back, this temple that we're reading about here in chapter 2 um, is, this, is uh, the same temple that Zerubbabel and the Israelites constructed um, back in like 500-something B.C. And then uh, Herod, when he came to reign, he uh, took that 46 years and reconstructed it and was able to finish that in uh, the same time frame of Jesus' life. So for about a span, about 600 years or so, uh, we still have places in the Bible that we can connect together and look back and, you know, see how it's progressed and um, just see them in different places, being able to connect a story there. And if you've ever studied anything about Israel's history, you're going to know that they have a long track record of missing the mark. And uh, God's chosen people... um, are missing God's purpose. And so this is something that we can learn from um, as we look back and study, but it's also something we can draw encouragement as well, uh, that while we strive to serve God and um, as we're being sanctified to be more and more like Jesus, uh, we can still expect to sin and fail, but we look to Jesus who has atoned for our shortcomings. And so even with God's chosen people, Israel, their um, long history of sin and disobedience Uh, God has still shown mercy to them, and we're able to uh, see that same mercy as we look uh, to Jesus who covered our sins. And uh, this this passage is a good picture of that. Um, So as we get back to that, uh, we see that Jesus arrives at the temple, and he's angry. Um, And and his anger is pretty justified. Why? Uh, Because the temple, the house of God, um, the house of his Father, has been made into a house of trade, he says. And it becomes a place of profit, a place to make money, and the worship has just been skewed with false practices. And um, so, Jesus, so was Jesus' anger justified? Absolutely, uh, his burst of outrage and just is justified, 
and not and it's not sinful. Uh, his heart aligns with the heart of God. Um, he didn't sin in this moment. He didn't step out of bounds or step out of line in his anger. Uh, but it was a lot. It was aligned with the heart of God, and uh, the people had missed the point. Uh, they had made a place of business rather than a place of worship. And in response, Jesus gives a glimpse of what's to come for us. Um, what seems like a radical decoration to make, um, we can now see as truth. That Jesus tells them, "Destroy the temple, and in three days He will raise it up." And so, for the people that during that day, they would have had no clue what He's talking about. They were, probably would have been confused or. Um, you know, as we see in the response, it say, they say, you know, it took 46 years to complete this temple um, under Herod's rule, and uh, it would have been impossible to rebuild that in three days. And because we're getting a retelling of the story, John, the author of this of this uh, letter or this, of this book, um, gives us an aside that says, and then they remembered when Jesus had said this and made sense after, it had made more sense after the resurrection and the new temple um, Became that became their bodies, and this idea that we are now that we're now the temple is a huge is huge. It carries a lot of theology with it as well, and uh, we're only going to be able to scratch the surface of it today. But the temple is where God dwelt for the Israelites, and and uh, now after Jesus' resurrection, uh, we are the temple. Our bodies are the temple. God's Holy Spirit dwells within us. He doesn't dwell within a building or a temple or anything. He dwells within us, as our bodies are the new temple. And uh, the way that we treat our bodies is a reflection of the way that we interact with God. So as a point of reflection, um, as us take a step here, is, uh, is the way that you live and the way that you treat your body bringing glory to God? Or is it being used and abused to bring glory for yourself? So just like, the Israel, so just like in, this, in Israel, it's temple where they had turned into a marketplace almost. Um, they had gotten rid of worship to God um, in our context here, the way that we live our lives, the way that we use our bodies, the way that we uh, live our lives, does it reflect bringing God glory or does it reflect ourselves? And uh, as we get to close out chapter two in this last paragraph, we see that at this Passover feast, many people believed in his name, yet Jesus didn't entrust himself to them. And so why not? Why? It seems like, you know, his people want to know who Jesus is, but he couldn't entrust himself over to them. Um, and this just gives us a glimpse into the identity that Jesus was God as well, that he's able to know all things and discern all things about man. And um, he was able to know that these people may say with their mouths that they believe in his name, but with their hearts and their actions, they are far from him. So Jesus knew what was in man. He knows what's in man. Uh, he knows the wickedness and the sin that dwells in all of us, yet he still loved us and loved us enough to come and be among mankind, to live among us, and die and raise so that we could have a relationship with him that never ceases and that never fails. And so if this doesn't encourage you, then I really don't know what else will. Um, it's the great news, the good news, the gospel, that um, that Jesus was humble enough as God to come and live as a man among us to uh, bring us a new life, to uh, establish a new kingdom that we can live in and rest in forever um, in communion with him. So uh, there's still so much to unpack here in this passage and uh, just so much truth. And I hope you have a great discussion with your group and uh, we'll talk to you next time.